Section 9 of Selections from the Principles of Philosophy by René Descartes. Translated by John Pleitch. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by phone. Part 4. Of the Earth. 188. Of what is to be borrowed from disquisitions on animals and man to advance the knowledge of material objects. I should add nothing farther to this, the fourth part of the Principles of Philosophy, that I purpose carrying out my original design of writing a fifth and sixth part, the one treating of things possessed of life, that is, animals and plants, and the other of man. But because I have not yet acquired sufficient knowledge of all the matters of which I should desire to treat in these two last parts, and do not know whether I shall ever have sufficient leisure to finish them, I will here subjoin a few things regarding the objects of our senses, that I may not, for the sake of the latter, delay too long the publication of the former parts, or of what may be desiderated in them, which I might have reserved for explanations in those others. For I have hitherto described this earth, and generally the whole visible world, as if it were merely a machine in which there was nothing at all to consider except the figures and motions of its parts, whereas our senses present to us many other things, for example colours, smells, sounds, and the like, of which, if I did not speak at all, it would be thought I had omitted the explication of the majority of the objects that are in nature. 189. What perception, senses, is, and how we perceive. We must know, therefore, that although the human soul is united to the whole body, it has, nevertheless, its principal seat in the brain, where alone it not only understands and imagines, but also perceives, and this by the medium of the nerves, which are extended like threads from the brain to all the other members, with which they are so connected that we can hardly touch any one of them, without moving the extremities of some of the nerves spread over it, and this motion passes to the other extremities of those nerves which are collected in the brain round the seat of the soul, as I have already explained with sufficient minuteness in the fourth chapter of the Dioptrics. But the movements which are thus excited in the brain by the nerves variously affect the soul or mind which is intimately conjoined with the brain according to the diversity of the motions themselves and the diverse affections of the mind or thoughts that immediately rise from these motions are called perceptions of the senses sensuum perceptiones or as we commonly speak sensations senses one hundred and ninety of the distinction of the senses and first of the internal that is, of the affections of the mind, passions, and the natural appetites. The varieties of these sensations depend, firstly, on the diversity of the nerves themselves, and secondly, of the movements that are made in each nerve. We have not, however, as many different senses as there are nerves. We can distinguish but seven principal classes of nerves, of which two belong to the internal, and the other five to the external senses. The nerves which extend to the stomach, the esophagus, the fauces, and the other internal parts that are subservient to our natural wants, constitute one of our internal senses. This is called the natural appetite, appetitus naturalis. The other internal sense, which embraces all the emotions, commotiones, of the mind or passions and affections as joy, sadness, love, hate, and the like, depends upon the nerves which extend to the heart and the parts about the heart, and are exceedingly small, for by want of example, when the blood happens to be pure and well-tempered, so that it dilates in the heart more readily and strongly than usual, this so enlarge and moves the small nerves scattered around the orifices, that there is thence a corresponding movement in the brain, which affects the mind with a certain natural feeling of joy, and as often as these same nerves are moved in the same way, although this is by other causes, they excite in our mind the same feeling, senses, sentiment 
thus the imagination of the enjoyment of a good does not contain in itself the feeling of joy but it causes the animal spirits to pass from the brain to the muscles in which these nerves are inserted and thus dilating the orifices of the heart it also causes these small nerves to move in the way appointed by nature to afford the sensation of joy thus when we receive news the mind first of all judges of it and if the news be good it rejoices with that intellectual joy gaudium intellectuale which is independent of any emotion commotio of the body and which the stoics did not deny to their wise man although they supposed him exempt from all passion but as soon as this joy passes from the understanding to the imagination the spirits flow from the brain to the muscles that are about the heart and there excite the motion of the small nerves by means of which another motion is caused in the brain which affect the mind with the sensation of animal joy laetitia animalis on the same principle when the blood is so thick that it flows blood sparingly into the ventricles of the heart and is not there sufficiently dilated it excites in the same nerves a motion quite different from the preceding which communicated to the brain gives to the mind the sensation of sadness although the mind itself is perhaps ignorant of the cause of its sadness and all the other causes which move these nerves in the same way may also give to the mind the same sensation but the other movements of the same nerves produce other effects as the feelings of love hate fear anger etc as far as they are merely affections or passions of the mind in other words as far as they are confused thoughts which the mind has not from itself alone but from its being closely joined to the body from which it receives impressions for there is the widest difference between these passions and the distinct thoughts which we have of what ought to be loved or chosen or shunned etc although these are often enough found together the natural appetites as hunger thirst and the others are likewise sensations excited in the mind by means of the nerves of the stomach falsies and other parts and are entirely different from the will which we have to eat drink and to do all that which we think proper for the conservation of our body but because this will or appetition almost always accompanies them they are therefore named appetites one hundred and ninety one of the external senses and first of touch we commonly reckon the external senses five in number because there are as many different kinds of objects which move the nerves and their organs and an equal number of kinds of confused thoughts excited in the soul by these emotions in the first place the nerves terminating in the skin of the whole body can be touched through this medium by any terrene objects whatever and moved by these holes in one way by their hardness in another by their gravity in a third by their heat in a fourth by their humidity etc and in as many diverse modes as they are either moved or hindered from their ordinary motion to that extent are diverse sensations excited in the mind from which a corresponding number of tactile qualities derive their appellations besides this when these nerves are moved a little more powerfully than usual but not nevertheless to the degree by which your body is in any way hurt there thus arises a sensation of titillation which is naturally agreeable to the mind because it testifies to it of the powers of the body with which it is joined in that the latter can suffer the action causing this titillation without being hurt but if this action be strong enough to hurt our body in any way this gives to our mind the sensation of pain and we thus see why corporeal pleasure and pain although sensations of quite an opposite character arise nevertheless from causes nearly alike one hundred and ninety two of taste in the second place the other nerves scattered over the tongue and the parts in its vicinity are diversely moved by the particles of the same bodies separated from each other and floating in the saliva in the mouth and thus cause sensations of diverse tastes according to the diversity of figure in these particles one hundred and ninety three of smell 
thirdly two nerves also or appendages of the brain for they do not go beyond the limits of the skull are moved by the particles of terrestrial bodies separated and flying in the air not indeed by all particles indifferently but by those only that are sufficiently subtle and penetrating to enter the pores of the bone we call the spongy when drawn into the nostrils and thus to reach the nerves from the different motions of these particles arise the sensations of the different smells one hundred and ninety four of hearing fourthly there are two nerves within the ears so attached to three small bones that are mutually sustaining and the first of which rests on the small membrane that covers the cavity we call the tympanum of the ear that all the diverse vibrations which the surrounding air communicates to this membrane are transmitted to the mind by these nerves and these vibrations give rise according to their diversity to the sensations of the different sounds one hundred and ninety five of sight finally the extremities of the optic nerves composing the coat in the eyes called the retina are not moved by the air nor by any terrestrial object but only by the globules of the second element whence we have the sense of light and colours as i have already at sufficient length explained in the dioptrics and the treatise of meteors one hundred and ninety six that the soul perceives only in so far as it is in the brain it is clearly established however that the soul does not perceive in so far as it is in each member of the body but only in so far as it is in the brain where the nerves by their movements convey to it the diverse actions of the external objects that touch the parts of the body in which they are inserted for in the first place there are various maladies which though they affect the brain alone yet bring disorder upon or deprive us altogether of the use of our senses just as sleep which affects the brain only and yet takes from us daily during a great part of our time the faculty of perception which afterwards in our waking state is restored to us the second proof is that though there be no disease in the brain or in the members in which the organs of the external senses are it is nevertheless sufficient to take away sensation from the part of the body where the nerves terminate if only the movement of one of the nerves that extend from the brain to these members be obstructed in any part of the distance that is between the two and the last proof is that we sometimes feel pain as if in certain of our members the cause of which however is not in these members where it is felt but somewhere nearer the brain through which the nerves pass that give to the mind the sensation of it i could establish this fact by innumerable experiments i will here however merely refer to one of them a girl suffering from a bad ulcer in the hand had her eyes bandaged whenever the surgeon came to visit her not being able to bear the sight of the dressing of the sore and the gangrene having spread after the expiry of a few days the arm was amputated from the elbow without the girl's knowledge linen cloths tied one above the other were substituted in place of the part amputated so that she remained for some time without knowing that the operation had been performed and meanwhile she complained of feeling various pains sometimes in one finger of the hand that was cut off and sometimes in another the only explanation of this is that the nerves which before stretched downwards from the brain to the hand and then terminated in the arm close to the elbow were there moved in the same way as they required to be moved before in the hand for the purpose of impressing on the mind residing in the brain the sensation of pain in this or that finger and this clearly shows that the pain of the hand is not felt by the mind in so far as it is in the hand but in so far as it is in the brain one hundred and ninety seven that the nature of the mind is such that from the motion alone of body the various sensations can be excited in it 
in the next place it can be proved that our mind is of such a nature that the motions of the body alone are sufficient to excite in it all sorts of thoughts without it being necessary that these should in any way resemble the motions which give rise to them and especially that these motions can excite in it those confused thoughts called sensations sensus sensationis for we see that words whether uttered by the voice or merely written excite in our minds all kinds of thoughts and emotions on the same paper with the same pen and ink by merely moving the point of the pen over the paper in a particular way we can trace letters that will raise in the minds of our readers the thoughts of combats tempests or the furies and the passions of indignation and sorrow in place of which if the pen be moved in another way hardly different from the former this slight change will cause thoughts widely different from the above such as those of repose peace pleasantness and the quite opposite passions of love and joy some one will perhaps object that writing and speech do not immediately excite in the mind any passions or imaginations of things different from the letters and sounds but afford simply the knowledge of these on occasion of which the mind understanding the signification of the words afterwards excites in itself the imaginations and passions that correspond to the words but what will be said of the sensations of pain and titillation the motion merely of a sword cutting a part of our skin causes pain but does not on that account make us aware of the motion or figure of the sword and it is certain that this sensation of pain is not less different from the motion that causes it or from that of the part of our body which the sword cuts than are the sensations we have of colour sound odour or taste on this ground we may conclude that our mind is of such a nature that the motions alone of certain bodies can also easily excite in it all the other sensations as the motion of a sword excites in it the sensation of pain End of section nine.